With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix. Glad you could join me here today, and I think you are going to really like today's show. On Tuesday, I sat down with Kevin Love, the Cleveland Cavaliers forward. Cavs were in the middle of a road trip that swung through Chicago. We sat down, and we talked for about an hour. And we talked about everything from that first year in Cleveland to his relationship with LeBron to going from being perceived as kind of the fat kid of NBA prospects to really one of the best conditioned players in this league today. Quick housekeeping note, if you like this podcast, there's one very easy thing you can do to support it. Go to iTunes, give us a rating, post a comment. All that goes a long way towards making sure we do this podcast week after week. That's it. All right, let's go. I want to thank Kevin Love for joining me here uh, on the podcast. I know it's been a long day uh, traveling in to Chicago. Uh, and, of course, you're only about a week removed from UCLA going out, man. Right. How, how tough was that? How uh, tough it was, was really tough, but seeing how the uh, – I did a homer job on my bracket, of course, and had them winning it. Um, had Oregon also in the Final Four. <clears throat> um, but it was it was tough, but I knew them playing in Memphis was going to be like another home game for Kentucky and always winning that second game against a team like that is very tough. And, uh, you know, I was I was upset that they lost, but, you know, I'm excited for the next chapter for them and for, you know, Ball and Leaf and those guys. So how, invest- was proud. how invested do you get around tournament time? I mean, I went to Boston College and we suck, so I can't, I don't get into right. it. How deep do you get into it? You know, it's one of those things where, you know, we were the highest what, the highest scoring team in all of the NCAA basketball, right? Yeah. Division one. Yeah. So I was really into their team this year. Obviously, I love Ball. Uh, I loved Alfred. He, you know, was breaking a lot of records. Four-year guy. Did a lot of things for UCLA. Obviously, playing for his dad. Hit a ton of threes. Uh, TJ Leaf was awesome. Uh, Holiday. Uh, Welsh. I mean, shooting that 15, 17-footer. You know, he just seemingly would hit it every single time. So I really liked... Uh, the makeup of their team, and that was just their starting five. So, um, 
I was pretty, you know, pretty heavily invested. Uh, made a donation to the school uh, last year, so now I'm even more he- heavily invested. So I love watching UCLA, and I'm really into UCLA athletics. So, all right. So I got to get your take then on Lavar Ball and and how he his <laughs> antics there. I mean, right. he, he's great for media. I mean, you you see him on TV, says a whole bunch of crazy stuff. Sure. But as an alum, as an NBA player who's going to be playing <laughs> right. either against or with his son at some point, what do you think? Uh, it makes my dad look like a saint. No, <laughs> <laughs> no he. Uh, I think he he loves his kids. I mean. Some people will say it's 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 over the top, and but I think he he, uh, you know, I can't tell if he's he's you know playing all of us or he's just you know really wants what's you know obviously he wants what's best for his kids, but um, you know he's he's one of those uh, you know his dads dads that you'd see on you know the AAU circuit where you'd be like okay that guy's crazy, but I think you know Lavar's. Uh, you know, he's all his kids going Division One. Uh, Lonzo's a great player. He's going to be a, I mean, unbelievable point guard. Has the size. You saw what he you know, numbers he put up this year. Uh, you know, I love the team that they had around him as well. Um, you know, the younger was it Melo? Lamelo, yeah. Lamelo. You know, you see, we'll see how he grows, but can really shoot. It loves the game. They all love the game, and uh, you know, I was a middle child, so I'm always rooting for the middle child. So you never, you never know how that one's going to end up. Is there a trickle down effect though with? You know, maybe a, a target he's putting on Lonzo's back Absolutely. going to the pros. Yeah, I think that's probably going to be the toughest thing for for Lonzo. But I think they've been groomed and you know put in that situation really their whole life. Now it's just going to be taken to to the next level. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how how he responds to that. But he seems to take everything in stride. He knows what he wants. He's a pretty you know, he's a kid that's pretty sure of himself. And, you know, I was around him a little bit this summer just from, you know, a few steps away, just being around the gym and, and lifting at UCLA. And he seems to you know, have a good head on his shoulders. And, you know, you got to give a good testament to his parents for that. So we're in Chicago um, and right down the street, the McDonald's All-American game is going on this week. We're 10 years removed from your McDonald's. Oh, it's here. Oh, yeah, we were in Louisville. 10 actually, years. I played in the, uh, I wasn't in the Jordan Classic, but I played in the Round Ball Classic actually here in Chicago. Yeah, the, but your McDonald's game, uh, that was in Louisville, you're right. Did, do you remember that game? I was looking up that game. Yes. Do you know how unfair Our the squads was, were? Yes. Like, you only won by two. Yeah. But let me just refresh your memory here of your team. And you know this, yeah. but Blake Griffin, right. James Harden, Derek Rose. You right. go over to the East roster, and these are good players, don't get me wrong. Right. But the best player on that team was O.J. Mayo. Right. The next best player, J.J. Hickson. Right. Johnny Flynn was on that team. Good right. players. But you've got the A squad there. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> that's not even fair, man. We had a hell of a team. Our class was, I just remember looking back and, and looking at that, those All-American teams and thinking almost, I mean, damn near every guy got drafted and, and has played professional basketball. I mean, it's, it's uh, I wouldn't say it's unprecedented because then you have what, like, was it 03 or 04 where all those guys came out of high school? Yeah. And suddenly yeah. all those guys made it. I think that might have been... Uh, that was uh, obviously bronze year, right? Yeah, 03 was LeBron's year. Right. So, I mean, that's another class that you look at and think, wow. Um, but, yeah, we had, we had a hell of a squad. We had a hell of a squad. We only won by two points. Only won by two points. <laughs> the jerseys did not fit at all. I was about 30 pounds, 40 pounds heavier. Uh, didn't quite look the same. Didn't quite move the same. But that was a, uh, yeah, only won by two. Michael Beasley was MVP. You were a you were an accomplished player at that point, but being around all those guys, some of whom I'm sure, I'm sure you knew, some of them I'm sure you didn't. But 
Was it, I mean, were you nervous in that moment, high school kid? No. Uh, if anything, I was, I was just eager to get out there. I'd played with those guys since, or against those guys in AU tournaments and, and you know, ABCD camp, Nike camp for three or four years now. And then dating all the way back to, you know, where there was Cocoa Beach, Florida in fifth grade. You know, when we go to our first national championships and say, okay, that guy's going to be good in a mm-hmm. few years. Or, uh, you know, this guy's the number one ranked player when he's nine. I mean, it's, it's so silly. But Scholarship offer. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I can remember Taylor King committing to UCLA when he was, like, sixth or seventh grade, and I'm thinking, you know, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. So that was my first taste of it, and, you know, a lot like the Ball family, my dad <laughs> groomed me for, for, for that sort of a thing, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that playing against those guys from, from early age really helped me. I mean, did that the game itself, I've been to a few of them, they're pointless. Like the, it's all just up and down. I mean, the and practices. It's the I'm worst sure. For I mean, it's like playing in the NBA All Star game when you're, you know, a, a stretch four. It's like, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? You know, <laughs> that's not for you. Yeah, you I might four. get, I might get one pick and roll dunk, two hand, and then I'm going to shoot a few threes, drain a few threes, and that's crowd groans when yeah, you shoot like it. off, <laughs> like throw it off the backboard to AD or something. So, I mean, that's a. Uh, you know, that's just the way it goes. But no, the McDonald's All-American game, that, that I still remember that. And, you know, it's funny. I, I framed my jersey, uh, you know, 42 McDonald's All-American, and we had the red jerseys. We were the away team, considered the away team. And, I mean, that jersey is like a quad X. It's not. It's not. And it didn't fit. Yeah. But it was rather large, to say the least. You, um, you mentioned your size back then, and I remember one of the last stories I wrote about you at, at SI was your coming back from the shoulder injury and the right. conditioning it took for you to get there, and you've become one of the best conditioned guys in the league today, and it's funny that that became the case. I distinctly remember your draft year. A criticism of you in the top five was, and I'll just, it's bluntly, it's, he's fat, he's going to get fatter. Right. Like, that was it. It was like, there was one team that told me they thought you had like an eating disorder and you would just eat your way out of the league at some right. point. I mean, did you hear that stuff back then or maybe it, not as bluntly? But- actually, it makes me laugh now because of how into health and wellness I am. And I always saw myself being that guy. Mm-hmm. I just had to get away from, you know, obviously you have to develop better habits and everybody adds stuff to their game or off the floor. They get better at, you know, watching film, uh, you know, taking care of their bodies. But for me, it was, you know, just figuring out how to eat and you know the daily grind of the NBA and a full 82 game schedule and being able to come back and do it the next year and you know potential playoff games and I think longevity becomes such a such a big thing and a big part of what we do and that was something that was actually easy for me to transition into I mean I remember in in you know, high school and my mom was a great cook. So I would, you know, you know, she would come home after walk, working at the hospital. She worked in neonatal intensive care with preemie babies. And, uh, my sister was a preemie. We don't have to get into that, but she would come home. She would, you know, make us up food and everybody would eat and then go back to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I would be like, oh, okay, mom, I'll wait for you and eat with you. So that was my way of getting seconds and maybe thirds. <laughs> so, uh, then when we got to college, it was training table. I mean, we would have a you know, Ben Hallen practice was a hell of a practice. Yeah, he was a he was a disciplinarian, but he was he was he was a hard coach to one of the hard. I shouldn't say he was. He coached us. You know, some some coaches, you know, they they don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm trying to think. It was a, a Frank Frank Martin, who South Carolina, South Carolina Frank Martin. Yeah, he just had a great 
great quote about, you know, kids haven't changed. We've changed. Mm-hmm. Like you don't allow them to coach, you know, you get, you have to, you were, we're expecting less of kids. Mm-hmm. Coach Hallen was the same way. He expected a lot of us and he made sure that he got the best out of us. So that was another mm-hmm. thing about him that I absolutely love. But getting back to the the food, we, after a Ben Hallen practice, we would go and you know, eat training table, which is basically a buffet of whatever kind of food you want. And that's not a good thing to put in front of a, a hungry 19-year-old kid. That College in general, not a good place to learn good eating habits. No, <laughs> not at all. So that was something that I had to learn my first couple of years in the league. But I got a quick dose of reality when, you know, I always say there's nothing like we had a hell of a we pack 10 at the time. We, we played, you know, I played Taj Gibson and then, you know, we'll come back and play the Lopez Twins. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's pretty solid competition there, but there's nothing like then doing that and then going to play Dirk in Dallas and fly home and play KG the next night. It's just not, there's no way to replicate that. So I thought, what's, what's something that could help me and give me an edge and expand my game? And, you know, eating was a, you know, definitely a big part of it. And now, I mean, what, it's funny because I talk to Tristan Thompson all the time. I'm like, okay, you've never been where I, where I was and I never want you to be there, but I have been that, that bigger kid, that fat kid. <laughs> I'm not going back. Mm-hmm. So, no, it's uh, something that we joke about. And uh, it's definitely, it definitely plays a big part of it. And eating is so much a part of, of what we do every day. What was the hardest thing to give up for you as you sort of transition into better habits? I'll tell you the easiest thing. Okay. And I wish it was the same for everybody because of what it you know, does to your liver and, and just kills you. And, you know, I like, I like wine as well as in, you know, all alcohol is, mm-hmm. you know, you know fermented grapes I mean, it's sugar right so i think sugar was the easiest thing to give up for me and i can't tell you how great i feel not eating sugar i mean mm-hmm. it's easy to just pass it up i get my sugar from fruit and it's high fiber blah 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 but the hardest thing i would say is you know probably like because in the summer when i travel it's it's tough to not go for the pastas or the you know you know you get like a french bakery or you wake up in the morning and you order food uh you know from any hotel in yeah. in, in europe you know whether say you're in paris they're going to give you the full tray of you know whatever you want mm-hmm. so it's uh just having that at your disposal and you know being able to you know reach out and have it there it's you know, that's, that's tough to put down, but you know, I always say discipline is deciding between what you want now, what you want most. And I'm just like, I want to play for in this league as long as I can. Every decision, including something as easy as what I want to eat, what I want to put in my mouth and what I want to you know, go about my day feeling like, that's what I think about. It feels like teams have gotten better with what they are giving Huge. you guys. Uh, we're unbelievable. Yeah. At it. It's a like, lot of teams are going that way too, whether it's sports performance or something, but there's huge. no, it's not, it's not the buffet of fried chicken anymore. It's no, the, it's not. It's really every little thing is dissected. And I mean, I, you talk about health and wellness and, and, and diet overall, it's such a big part of, of what we do. It, it, it gets overlooked a lot of the time, but not, you talk about our sports performance guys. I mean, we have, our director of sports performance, Alex Moore, uh, you know, and you know our head strength coach Derek. He, they all, they always make sure we have the right food on the plane. Uh, we have the right food after practice, before practice, and I mean we're properly fueled to to withstand this this you know rigorous season. And you know we we want to play in June, so that 
you know, it's just something that's not overlooked and, and we love that. It's got to be one of those things too for you that once you start seeing results, you're like, this is great. I'm going to stick with this. You know, I'm, this is, I'm going to keep setting different goals and keep hitting them every single year. Absolutely. And for me, I, you know, I'm like, you know, I go week by week, kind of month by month, but, um, you know, you lose, you probably lose, I, I don't know a percentage on, but you lose a good amount of muscle mass throughout the NBA season just because there's so many games coming at you. You know, you can't, I should say, you can't get all the lifts in that you want. You can't, you know, train like you do in the summer when you're at, you know, almost your, your peak shape and you're making sure that, you know, your body is prepared for the season. Um, so you gotta, you gotta make sure that you do or get whatever edge that, that you possibly can. And, um, I, I don't think as a, as an organization that's, that's lost on us. Mm-hmm. So looking at the way you played, uh, this season, you know, right around 20 points per game, all the numbers across the board are up. I know you get asked this all the time, but what's changed and, and you probably read all the time. Well, it's, he's you know, different coach, different this, but I mean, just put it out there. Like what's different this year? As opposed to the last two, I think a couple things. Just uh, first and foremost, it's it's tie. I mean, I just uh, it's not. It doesn't go overlooked by me that he's you know he's put me in the right positions. He came to me right after he took over last season and, and just said, "I just just the same thing with Champ James Jones." He just said, "Just just be yourself. Just don't be afraid to be yourself, and um, you know, pick your spots, but just play the game." And I think. You know, when he, they dumbed it down like that and showed me on film where I could be effective and I knew I could be effective from, uh, you know, playing in this league and having success, you know, that made it easier for me. So, you know, once Ty took over the, the rest of the year, I, I, I felt great and comfortable out there. So, you know, confidence is, is, you know, if you even waver it a little bit, I'll never say I lost confidence, but if it wavers a little bit and you don't necessarily know where you want to be, you know, pick your spots where you want to be aggressive, where you want to take your shots, where you want to be aggressive on the defensive end or be effective. It just, then it messes with your efficiency mm-hmm. and it messes with, you know, your mind. It messes your, with your approach. Uh, you know, thinking you don't know what you're going to get into coming into every single game. And mm-hmm. instead of being, you know, aggressive and being an aggressor, then the other team, team is dictating what you're doing on both ends of the floor. So I think I give a lot of credit to Ty. I give a lot of credit to... You know, obviously us winning a championship takes a big weight uh, off of your back. And then just overall, uh, like I said, getting back to being myself was, was, was big, but that wasn't without uh, a few growing pains and you know, taking a step back and, and looking at what I could do. So when you go back and do an autopsy on that first year, is it just overthinking for you? Is it thinking of trying to be yeah, something th- that you weren't? I really think that um, – I really think – for me, I, I wasn't used to being on the perimeter that much. And I wasn't used to, you know, not filling the lane and, and ducking in and getting offensive rebounds and just being far away from the basket. So I think Ty has thrown me into to different lineups playing the five or playing the four and, and, and pushing me to, go, you know, go towards the basket and get all the offensive and defensive rebounds. And, you know, one of the first things he said to me was, I need you to be, I need you to be our lead rebounder every single night. So I thought, okay, well, that's a whole different mentality because when you define roles on a team, especially a championship level team, you become great in that role or you try to, you know, excel in, in that role. And then you continue to you know, add a few things to that and, you know, end up helping the team in any single way. So, uh, you know, I, I definitely give a lot of credit to him, a lot of credit to Braun as well, being our main leader. 
uh, Kai getting me involved and then just everybody else filling in and, and playing their roles and being being great in their roles. Nobody wants to see somebody get fired, but did you need a coaching change for all this to kind of happen? Did you need a new voice to... <sighs> I don't know. Um Coach Blatt, he, uh, I mean, he had a, obviously a great record. We were first in the East, and yep. but you know, some something needed to happen. I don't know if that was it, um, but you know, that's the way it played out, and you know, we ended up winning a championship, but it didn't come without uh, a lot of. I mean, backlash is the wrong word I'm thinking of, but it, it didn't come with, uh, you know, those growing pains I mentioned, mm-hmm. and it wasn't you know easy to start. There were times where, you know, we come out against a, a, a team that had. You know, shouldn't have beat us, and we get our ass whooped. So, it that wasn't fun. Mm-hmm. But those are the times that we had to sit down and define our roles, and you know, figure out where we were going to get better. And the big thing for us was making sure that we were dialed in on all of our film work. Our walkthroughs were very professional. I just think overall, just everybody knowing that this isn't going to last forever. It's so fragile. It can all be taken away, mm. you know, so fast. Somebody can go down with an injury. Another guy can go down with an injury. I mean, you saw that, you know, in the finals the first year. I mean, I was, I was Eastern Conference corner finals. Shoulder was ripped out and, you know, I wasn't yeah. going to play the rest of the season. Kyrie went down game one and we still went to game six and NBA finals. But just that, that firepower against such great teams is what you need. Did it sting at all not getting to play in this all-star game i mean all that you had to kind of you know build up to you know sort of rebuild and build up at this point was it at all a little not bit like really i wanted that or not right i definitely wanted i definitely wanted to be there and um you know, wanted to play in the game mm-hmm. but yeah be that stretch for the all-star game yeah, yeah i mean yeah get those couple shots <laughs> get those, and get those yeah, maybe the get off the board and not put up a donut <laughs> but no the uh yeah, I definitely. I mean, just human nature, human instinct. Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, uh, and from that aspect, I, I felt I wanted to play and wanted to be there. And it was Mardi Gras, and uh, the. But once I found out that I just had to get that little piece out of my my knee and was going to be out six weeks or whatever, I thought, okay, this All Star break is going to buy me a week, and I'm going to be able to get back, you know, sooner mm-hmm. and not miss that many games because. You know, when you know, I went down with my hand, my what fifth year or whatever, and I missed. Mm-hmm. You know, I played eighteen games. It was the worst season of my life. I yeah. hated it. I hated missing games. So I just wanted to use that week and try to get back early. And you know, the game, especially after watching it, I it didn't. You know, it didn't mean they got to fix it. Oh, they got to fix it. It's, I don't. I mean, it's un, it's you almost, tell me then. How do you fix it? I don't know. I'm the wrong guy to ask. <laughs> yeah. I just shoot threes. Yeah, yeah. it's like <laughs> the you know the the uh, what was it the Nike we talked about earlier the Nike camp you had to have, they had like a three pass rule if you get over half court it's not a fast break you got three pep but that, you know nobody's gonna yeah but I love the Saturday night's great mine mm-hmm. I mean the dunk contest was was terrible this yeah. year but I blame Zach Levine my UCLA <laughs> boy no he uh, but it's tough because I love the three point competition. Um, does money change it? Like incentivizing, does that change it? I mean, and maybe it's not money in your pocket, but like you have a charity, everyone's yeah, got a charity. I mean, I, I I would hope so, yeah. but it has to be the right number. And if it's, it, I don't like saying that because we already make, yeah. especially if you're an all-star too, you're making yeah. so much and you're getting to put a ball through a hoop. I know it sounds 
stupid to say that, but I mean, it's it's a game that we've been playing since we were young and toddlers, and mm-hmm. you know, we're we're blessed with the ability to be able to do it. But it's tough to say, yeah, add more money and we'll play harder. <laughs> like the fans are looking at us, like, really, you know? So I think it, it definitely. It, everything starts from the fans and works its way out. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how you fix it, but I mean, nobody's got the all, their all-star game, right? There is no good all-star game in sports. <laughs> like somebody mentioned something to me though. They said, look at the 89 or 88 or 87 all-star game and tell me that wasn't great. Cause it was so competitive mm-hmm. and guys were, I mean, going at each other's necks mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. It's become such a show but let me back up. Adam Silver, if there's anybody that's going to get it right, he's going to get it right. He's already, you know, what has it been? How many years from now? Three or four. Three or like four. That, and yeah. he's, I mean, he's, he's, and Mark Tatum too. Those guys are really bright. So they're going to find a way. They're going to get with the players and there's going to be a back and forth and they're going to figure it out. But, um, well, you know why that 80s game was probably good. Not to remember it specifically, but those guys hated each other. Those guys were exactly. You, know, you guys don't hate each other. You guys I, are all I, I friends. I do. I do agree with that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it, it. It is funny because at the end of the day, in the back of your head, you don't have any friends in this game. Mm-hmm. And to to that point, you know, you, you go in uh, unless it's somebody that you would you know play like Russell Westbrook. I'm going to go and you know give him a hug after the game. Tell him you know you're. You know, best to your family. Hope I see you guys soon. Blah, blah, blah. Where you going in the summer? So on and so forth. But everybody's trying to take what you have mm-hmm. in this league. I mean, especially when you're the defending champs, too. I mean, every single night, we're getting everybody's best shot. And every single night, oh, you know, you're the, you know, you were on the, you were the power forward of the you know, world championship Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, I want to come and I want to take what you have every single night. I'm coming at your head. So it is odd that when it, you know, gets to, sort of a game like that. It is showmanship and, and, and it's it's crowd pleasing and, and, and kids love it, but it's not good basketball. No. And good basketball is always when it's you know super competitive and that sort of you know human nature to to you know try to take that other guy's spot or whatever it may be, it's just it just becomes for I mean, better. It's just better basketball. I think people can live, just my opinion, but I think people can live with, you know, three and a half quarters of bad basketball. Right. If you get a final half quarter where every, because totally. you guys start to like really get into it. Then it becomes pride, it seems like yep. out there when you're late in the game. The problem with this past year is you didn't have that. Right. You, it was a blowout. And so you had 48 minutes of awfulness that everybody <laughs> had to kind of answer for right. there. Well, I remember, what was it, 2011, we were in L.A., and it was, yeah, Kobe. Kobe won MVP that yep. year, I believe. And he can't let himself not become. I mean, he's he's Kobe Bryant. He's just so competitive. It just is. It's just in him. And he, you know, he, he looked at me and he told me, "I'm." We talked about rebounding the basketball, and I think at the time I was averaging 15. He came in. He's like, "I'm gonna get. I'm gonna lead the the whole game in rebounding tonight." Because I'm. And every time he get a rebound, he look at me and just that competitive nature and trying to get something done and get something out of it was just it's just in him Mm -hmm. and i don't know somehow i think that's lost uh in the all-star game but i'm not going to say i don't love watching braun throw it off the glass and and dunk it three or four times and Mm -hmm. you know giannis how big of a freak he is you know dunking everything and ad with his what 50 points so i mean it's and then russ getting hot i mean it still watch the game. I still looked at what people did and 
you know, Sawa went down, but it's just, they'll fix it. Giannis has got to be a nightmare to look forward to in the coming years. How old is he? And he's like 21, yeah, 22 he's, or something No, nah, he's like he's really a freak. I, I, I saw a highlight of him the other night, and I mean, it seems like every game is another thing where you just shake your head, but he had a windmill from... You know, seemingly the it looked like the three point line. Yeah, and you know, I just kind of shake my head and think, God, he's the kid's going to be really special. He does he like the is. Tom Chambers dunks in the every end, time. the old NBA live games yeah. where you're just dunking from three. Like it seems like he gets further and further out right. when he starts to take that step. Yeah, and it's almost like yeah, Tom Chambers uses the leverage from Love the guy that. and yeah, takes it like three more steps, three more stories. No, you, uh, you you knew coming in um, the pressure cooker that you were joining, the team you were joining, what it was going to be all about. But when you look back, was it was there something that you maybe weren't anticipating, something you weren't as prepared as you thought you were going to be for? I don't think you can ever be prepared for the for you guys. No, the uh, just how how much attention was going to be paid in the, in the spot. Like, like I knew I could get wrap my mind around what it was going to be like, but until you actually get until you actually <laughs> come into Chicago at, at 3 a.m. on a Tuesday night or a Monday night and you turn the corner and there's 40 or 50 people waiting for you. I go, okay, this is different. Mm-hmm. This is different than the five or seven you would get you know, at, at this time. So I think that and the media landscape now and, and um, you know, everybody's so heavily involved. It, it, it just, it, there's no way to prepare for that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our, our locker rooms are full before the game, after the game, and, you know, our media days are, you know, happening, that sort of thing. So I think that was something to, to adjust to, but that was pretty quick. The mm-hmm. other thing was uh, really having to bring it every single night and becoming a, a better professional. So it's, it's really helped me. And I'm, I, I think I've become a better teammate in some offhanded way, a better person and, and, and matured a lot. So it's, it's, uh, I think it's, this whole situation has, has, has really helped me. And, you know, I, I wanted to come here and, and win and you know, I've been able to do that. So it's been, I mean, last year was really the, yeah. I said the greatest year of my life. I mean, it was, I mean, 27 and, you know, that uh, 2016 was unbelievable. You became instantly a focal point, a lightning rod. When things weren't going right, it was, you know, look at your numbers, look at something was going on, the trade talks you heard every day about. I mean, sure. did that wear on you? Was that... Is- that was, that's kind of what I meant in saying that it was just, that was, that was different, but that's how it evolved, you know, because when, uh, you know, if we we're looking for somebody on the other side that was a scapegoat, it was, it was... Uh, David Blatt, mm. if things were going right. And then on the player side, it was going to be me, you know? So it was just one of those things you you just learn to have, I guess you don't learn to have thicker skin, but that, that grows on you. Um, and I think- How long does it take you to learn that? Well, I had never gone through that. Mm. I had gone through, hey, I'm going to, I want to go to a, a contending team or right. I want to go to a team that's, that's going to win. Didn't matter where. But- I think it probably took till after All-Star break and, and thinking, okay, this, this could potentially happen every year. Mm-hmm. Who knows? And this is the business and this is the way it is. And this is the way, you know, I mentioned the, the media landscape is. And, and, and so many eyes are on you all the time with a team that's, you know, in the East or even around the entire NBA landscape that's supposed to be one of the best teams or if not the best team. So... If it's not me, it's going to be somebody else. 
And if one guy's shooting bad for two or three nights or, you know, this guy's hurt or, you know, they're going to look for an out. And it taught me not to look for an, you know, an excuse, a built-in excuse. It taught me, uh, you know, to, to, you know, you always say not, don't listen to it, but everybody's on their phones mm. and, you know, you have your friends that don't know any better and don't live in this thing with you or, or a girlfriend or a significant other or a parent that goes, you know, don't do, you know, screw this person or don't listen to this person. And then it becomes a thing. But it took me probably till after that first all-star break and, you know, a lot of, a lot of talks with David Griffin, just being like, you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I think in dissecting film and, and James Jones, I mean, he's been like a rock for our entire team. I mean, he doesn't, he's the consummate pro. He doesn't, doesn't play much, uh, but there's no, there's not a number. There's nothing that can quantify what he does for the team. And he's, I mean, for everybody, even, you know, the, the last few weeks or two years ago, or, you know, from what Braun says in Miami, he's like, you know, his favorite player ever. Yeah. And he's one of those guys that. You guys uh, all talk about him all the time. All talk about him all the time. And he, he is so, he has like that, that old man wisdom. <laughs> And he at the right age of what, like 36, 37? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> what? 30, yeah, 35 or 30, yeah, something like that. So he, he, uh, I mean, he's one of those guys that you hope you have around your entire life because he just, he just is a great sounding board and knows what to say and has been there, done that. So he, he definitely helped me early on. Um, and it was great to, to be on a veteran team. So they, they knew, they'd be like, ah, oh, man, we've been here before. We know that. And it was, uh, Pretty easy to get over is the wrong word, but just let it let it go. You at one point, I think you passed Brooke Lopez as the most Twitter traded person on the market. <laughs> right. I mean, Brooke was well. Like it never, it's every- never changed too. I was laughing with uh, with some of our local media this year. I was like, you got. Uh, I said last year too. But I said you guys aren't getting rid of me now. It's now it's now it's oh. You know he's playing so well, and and he's on the All Star team again. And Your value skyrocketed. He's twenty and eleven, and yeah, he's yeah. Oh, let's trade him for this guy, or it's you know it's mellow now. We want him in New York, and it's like oh, now I'm on the other side. It's just it's so silly and fickle, and you know sometimes it's just it's like that that word fragile is always thrown around. It's just uh, it's funny. Were you at the point that? You, you had to have ignored the Carmelo stuff. You had well, to. Well, I saw you that. in New York when all that yeah. stuff was going on. Yeah. I mean, that that couldn't, I mean, that wasn't going to happen. Like no. some, some of the other stuff you can, I, I can see maybe, maybe but yeah. that was never, like that was one of the weirder rumors right. that just connected two friends in LeBron and Carmelo and put right. them on the same team. That that never made any sense. Yeah. I, I don't think it, it did either, but, um, you know, I know from, I mean, I've always been a big, a big Carmelo fan. I mean, I but I didn't want to get traded for him. <laughs> I was, you know, it was like when I saw Clay Thompson uh, at USA Basketball before I I got traded to to Cleveland. He's like, man, we grew up together. You know, we played little league. But we it's hard to get Clay talking. But he was basically like, man. I don't want to get you. I don't want us to be the guys that are traded for each other. I was like, all right, yeah, I, I get that. So I ended up uh, on Cleveland. I've, I got the call from Braun, um, and you know, this ended up happening, and it's been great. And it's just, it's funny how things become 
I don't know, such a, such a big deal when they're not, you know, you could just pull something out of the air and now it could be true. Or my, you know, the sources thing has been, you know, that's kind of, that's been the last several years now. But I, I just think that everybody has a voice. Every, anything could be made a story. Mm-hmm. When you hit free agency in that summer, how sure were you that you were coming back? To Cleveland? Cleveland. Oh, I mean, 1201. Really? Yeah. Okay. And that was based, I mean, what happened to that? I mean, I know there was that meeting everybody talked about. and uh, I thought it would have been, in my heart of hearts, I I wanted to win a championship and win it it here. And I felt like I got that literally taken away from me uh, in the playoffs. And I got my first taste, loved it. And, you know, really in that, kind of that last part of the season and then into the playoffs, we were playing great basketball. I thought, oh, shit, this is, this is, this is what, I'm, what I'm talking about. I love this. This is great basketball. I mean, we were moving the ball. We were punching into the post. We were, you know, letting all of our, you know, defense and getting into guys dictate what we did on the offensive end. So I think that's what you – know, I talked to my agent, Jeff Schwartz, and I basically just told him, I said, I'm – I'm in. Mm-hmm. Like we, I, I had I had known that um, for a pretty good amount of time, and yeah, twelve oh one came. I got on the phone with Griff and you know most of the front office guys, and you know he said welcome back, and I was that was it. Did you wonder in that first year if this was going to be long term for you? I mean, it is now, and you're you're here, and you guys are every year you know at the top. But did you wonder in that first year if this was going to be it? Yeah, I mean, I think human human instinct for me was thinking god is this is this really the the best it's going to be and for me i always i always it's like when i was the fat kid in high school i always saw it being better <laughs> no god, the executives uh, <laughs> called you fat so many times it was yeah, right no i actually have a super funny story about that but All right. anyways the uh yeah i think it was there was obviously it crossed my mind yeah i thought oh, god I can is this is this as good as it's going to be? Because I know I I can do so much more personally, and I can help this team so much more. But my agent, what he told me, listen, I, I've been in been in this league. I've I've been around athletes for for this long, x amount of years, and you know if you if you can, you know, have your health, you can, uh, you know, live and and be happy off the floor, and you can make money. You know, that's that's you know, what you need to look at, like how, what is your happiness depend upon? I thought, you know, I want to be able to, to win basketball games. I came here to win. So I thought, okay, win. Uh, can I, can I obviously get paid while doing it? Which, right. You know, if you're in the league, you're getting paid handsomely. And, you know, um, you know, happiness was a, was a, was a big thing for me as far as, you know, I wanted to be happy where I lived. And I think off the floor, I wasn't too happy because I was in a, in a place where, uh, you know, I, 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 I couldn't go outside and I wasn't at a home where I, you know, it, it wasn't where I needed to be. So every time I, I, I went home and had a bad game or it was, it was, you know, something where, uh, you know, we came home from a long road trip and there was, you know, a, a thousand people in the lobby. I'm thinking, God, I don't want to see anybody. So it was just, my stress was just through the roof having, uh, you know, if I'm going into work, I'm thinking, okay, this is my only safe place and the court is my only safe place. I go home, I, I don't want to go. So there was a lot of extracurricular stuff that wasn't necessarily working for me. So those were changes that I knew I had to make coming back. And my life in Cleveland has been, you know, a 10 since. 
Your uh, your relationship with LeBron was dissected from day one, and look, some of it was outside guessing. Some right. of it was based on his own. I mean, you know his leadership style. He right. he pokes and prods a little bit, and he tries to get stuff yeah. out of you. Uh, how would you characterize th- that relationship? How it's evolved, I guess. Yeah, I think a very large majority of it was so stupid. It was so dumb. I mean, I come into practice like, really again, and he's like, "That's you know, that's just them trying to." you know do their thing but i think early on it was more with what, like a rumor or something that you read out there or or something with the yeah, really again or see i wouldn't i tried to stay away from it but then it'd get asked you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i think one it was me being smarter another was maybe even more so it was just me learning it was a big learning process for me going from you know, the the number one guy in, in Minnesota to being, you know, the third guy here and uh, figuring out, you know, where to be on the floor and, you know, how to go about my business. I, you know, I know I sound like a broken record, but that, that's that's how it was. And I think, but more than anything, it was being a, knowing how to win, being a better professional, being a better teammate. And that took a little bit of time. And those growing pains along with, you know, Braun having, you know, so much attention in that first year and coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that was what people thought, oh, you know, there's something going on here. But yeah, I think the relationship has evolved over time. And, you know, we we have one of the funniest teams I've ever been around in my entire life. And we just, uh, we have a, a really, really solid group of guys. And it's not just the relationship between us two. It's, you know, Kyrie and and RJ and Channing and, and, and Champ and Swish and uh, I mean, everybody's different. Everybody has like their little little quirks and everybody, you know, really, I, I was just said recently, like the, the, was it 2003 Boston or 2004 where they came back from uh, four days in October that- Oh, whole, Red Sox, yeah, 04, yeah. Yeah, 04, and it was like the, mm. the idiots, but- Yeah, Like, I mean, great the best way, but, uh, great. <laughs> but we, that's what we are. We yeah. have so many- different personalities that if you're around us it's like infectious you want mm-hmm. to be around us mm-hmm. and that's no different was that a relationship with lebron that you wondered it would it work too i mean no I always you always knew, thought I always that it was going to find a way to yeah. yeah and that was a you know that was a conversation i had with him too i said you just gotta gotta trust that my like i will or we will make right this ship we will make it work and i'm not talking from a relationship standpoint i'm talking about you know on the floor Mm-hmm. And once that was all taken care of and we knew that everybody was about the right things, everything else was was fine. Does he have a distinct leadership style there? I mean, it seems like he's intense a lot and he's always on and he's always pushing. Yeah. And he uh, is, I mean, he hardest working. I mean, he's one of those guys that like does not take his talent and his otherworldly, you know, gifts mm. for granted. I mean, he he works. And I think that, speaking of infectious, that is infectious. I mean, he's a guy, he's always, he wakes up early, he gets his work in, he's to the gym early, stays late, takes care of his body. Uh, you know, every morning before a game, he's in there with all of us. You know, he's getting extra shooting. Like, he's, he's, he's that guy. Mm-hmm. He's, I mentioned consummate pros. I mentioned workers like James Jones, guy who's been around him. He's, he's that guy. And his leadership is, is no different. He is always leading by example. Um, he's always trying to get better. Listen, everybody has, you know, their faults, whether like it's me or it's bad body language or, or, you know, we don't always say the right thing, but 
everybody's human. And he, he's what, like Time Magazine or whoever it was just rated him the top 10 leader in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, 11, yeah, right 11, there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's, he's that guy. <laughs> so, yeah, when he, when he approaches something and he says something, it's, you know, people are, people are paying attention. I can remember like Rick Alleman. I, I have so much respect for him. I had so much respect for him when he was coaching me. And he wasn't like loud, hey, listen to me type of guy. But when he spoke, you were dialed. Mm-hmm. Right? You were dialed in. He was, he was some guy that, uh, you know, you knew I'd been there, done that before. And I mean, Bron's done everything in this league and it's, it's still continuing uh, to grow. So I think guys you know follow his lead because he leads by example and he's he is that guy when the when the rumors hit their peak did you ever feel the need to go to him and ask him do do you want me here i mean do you want to keep to keep this thing together no i think the only thing he ever asked of me was just to play hard Mm -hmm. play hard every possession because for me i think and, and he was right uh because there'd be times where i go you know, I'm, I'm basically just doing wind sprints out here. What am I doing? And he's like, just, just play hard and things, things will write and things will work for you. And I mean, that just, that made it easy for me. So I think, sure, there were ways that I, I could have been more effective and maybe would have helped me out. But that sacrifice, I think, then led to, you know, us being, you know, the champs. And, and in some way that helped us. And, you know, it's helped me become a better player and therefore pick my spots this year and be more comfortable and, you know, so on and so forth. So here you guys are again, doing it once again, leaving that door open, people wondering, you know, you did it last year, made the coaching change, all of a sudden you run through the playoffs again. Um, I'm sure you'd be glad to see March kind of go away, Mm -hmm. um, the way things have gone. Is this, I mean, from your perspective, is this something that you're just a bump on the road that you're dealing with and get past or is it? Is there something you're concerned with? Well, I also think that teams have gotten better. Yeah, I was going to get to that, but yeah, yeah. teams have definitely uh, gotten better. Not, I mean, I mean, and just if we're looking at just the East too. I mean, yep. Washington has gotten better. Boston has gotten better. Uh, you know, there's other teams like you know, Toronto's gonna Toronto. Toronto, which hates back. you guys, it hates lurking. us. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they're looking and they're you know, getting going to get Lowry back, and you know, they're a solid team that seems to keep getting better. Um, and then there's teams like we played. Detroit last year, they were the eighth seed. Yeah. I mean, that had to be one of the tougher eight seeds in a while. I mean, with how they play, how physical they are under uh, Stan and, and you know, with Drummond and, and uh, you know, coming off of that pick and roll and rolling, it's, 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 it was a good test for us and it set us up for really the rest of the, rest of the playoffs. But I think, uh, you know, we will right the ship. We always do. I mean, there was January too. People mm-hmm. think March, but they forget January. <laughs> January was not pretty, um, but I think I do believe that we will ride the ship because we always have, and it's becoming crunch time here now. The, the only uh, thing that I don't like is that I don't like it's like cramming for an exam. I don't like to do that. I like to accumulate the knowledge over time, and mm-hmm. and then at the end, kind of brush up on on some things and and get my rest and come in well prepared and. You know, with my mind right, it's the same thing here. It's it's practicing good championship habits. It's uh, you know making sure in, in the film sessions and, and the walkthroughs that, that we're dialed in, making that happen. And get, I don't even care if it shows up in the win column at this point. I mean, I do as far as seating goes, but 
if we play great stretches of basketball and we think we look at the film and say this is how we need to play it's so much easier for me at least for me and, and a lot of our guys being visual learners and visual guys to to then practice that and, and do that out on the floor again so mm -hmm. uh, i think that at least for me and getting my mind right is, is is probably the biggest thing but we're i think we're we're very close and um you know i think it's we just stop the ball too much maybe i shouldn't say play too much one-on-one -on -one basketball but we're a pick and roll team good to get it to opposite sides of the floor and defensively when we decide we want to be good or want to be great or want to be one of the better teams, we can be that. East has gotten better. You're yeah. right about that. Yeah. I mean, even the first round. I mean, I watched Miami play the other night, and their record's not great, but I would not. They're it's relentless. not indicative of how they're good they are. They're relentless how they play. They're relentless. Dragic has been awesome. Uh, Dion has, has stepped up and hit. A, I mean, he's a shot, shot maker, shot mm -hmm. taker. But... But even down the bottom there, I mean, Milwaukee, yeah. everybody thought they were going to fold after Jabari, Jabari went out, Chris went down, Middleton. Right? The first round, I mean, I would argue that this is probably going to be your toughest Indiana Eastern Conference. Too, yeah. yeah, toughest Eastern Conference bracket that you've had in three years, sure. I think. that. And then you look at the top with the way Boston's playing and the confidence right. they have and everybody. Yeah, and a lot of those places are not easy to play. Mm. I mean, if we, I mean, I can't, I mean... I don't know what our record has been in, 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 in Washington or Boston or those type of places, but those aren't easy places to play for anybody. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, we can, you always find out what kind of man you are, what kind of team you are when you're put in that sort of a situation. So I think, uh, I think we're ready for it and, or we will be ready for it. And, you know, we, we, we love that kind of, uh, you know, maybe we need to get hit in the mouth one, you know, one of these days, the next, you know, couple of weeks here, but we, uh, we'll be ready. You should just go to Fenway again and start another shit store <laughs> right. out hey, in listen. Boston. <laughs> listen, like as I already prefaced it or mentioned the, the 2014, but yes. I've always been, well, <laughs> yeah, for the most part, I, uh, I've always loved Boston. I've always loved those old parks, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> I'll be back. So you heard it here. You have, uh, I'll be back, and it will have nothing to do with me playing in Boston Trade or rumor. anything like that. Yeah, I just you know, I'll, I'm going back. Bob, uh, let me finish with this. The the shitstorm you guys started last week with um, the Clipper game and sitting out, and all of a sudden it's a league wide. I memory. didn't do it. It became well, no, clearly, but it, it was. <laughs> it became a week long story. Sure. Over a couple of games, it was your game, and it was the Golden State game right. against San Antonio, nationally televised games. Um, surprised that everyone is so worked up a about little this. Bit. Um, I was. Here I am taking myself out. It's not my fault. Uh, but I wasn't supposed to play in the back to backs yet, so they wanted me to have a couple days rest, and then play Sunday. Um, so I played Thursday night, came back for the first time against Utah. And then they thought, okay, we want to see how, you know, we're going to travel Friday. You're not going to play Saturday, you can play Sunday. I said, okay, no problem. Um, and then Kyrie went out with his leg. Uh, I think it was like fourth quarter mm -hmm. uh, of that game against Utah. And Braun was like, okay, I got this. You know, Braun's playing 40 plus nights on, you know, big minutes, too. big yeah. minutes, really big minutes. And he, uh, and we need him to do that in order for us to 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 be great and 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 to win. But um, you know, it comes at a toll, and he there is games that you know he might need to take off. And with how it worked out, we wanted to get everybody back and playing together. And I was already sitting out for Saturday, so okay, maybe it is my fault. 
Kyrie takes takes a seat for one game, rests his legs, and comes back out. And you know, Braun wanted to play, and you know, Coach Lou said, "No, we're gonna we're gonna sit you so everybody can be out there and playing together." Comes back, and you know, we we beat the Lakers, and we big three scores 100 101 points of our 125 or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, I am I am a little surprised because. You know, some guys on our team have been to six straight finals and logged a ton of minutes. And, you know, Kyrie played in the Olympics over the summer. I'm just coming back from a from a knee injury. And on top of that, it's not like, you know, Pop is always the greatest example because he's the greatest coach. Mm-hmm. But he's been doing that for, for years. Not Maybe not at the, the rate that, you know, we have, but... But when he says it works, he can point to 40-year-old Tim Duncan and 37, I think, year old manager Nobly sure. and 34-year-old Tim, Tony Parker, who is still playing at high levels. And he says that it, it helps them in the season. It helps them long-term. For sure. He has proof. <laughs> it's not yeah. like he's saying it. He has proof. that. That's no, why I never... The proof is there. I and never if, if, understood. Listen, it. I have so much respect for Pop that, I mean, if he, if he says something and he says it works... I'm going to think, okay, it works. So I think that proof is there. He, he goes beyond being a coach. He manages so well. I think he manages, and he's managed those guys so well. And those are Hall of Fame type players, guys that will, that are going to go into late May and June and, and be difference makers for them. So they, they absolutely need the rest where a regular season game, you know, to ask if there's a there's a problem with resting guys, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I know that when, you know, you give 23 the rest and you give two the rest, those guys come out and, and they're going to show out the next game and come to play. And I don't, look, I mean, I've, I wrote this, so I don't mind saying it, that, you know, you guys are trying, it's strategic. You're yeah. trying to get somewhere in For June. Sure. My biggest issue is the teams that right now are trying to lose. Right. And there are a number of them. I mean, you saw Devin Booker go for 70 the other night. They lost that game right. because they had their starters on the bench. They lost by 10. Right. He goes for seven, lose by 10. I don't understand where, where is the uproar. Doing the same thing. Where is the uproar for this? To Agreed. Have, are they not get, uh, do we not care about local TV deals? Do we not right. care about local fans? Do we only care about ESPN, ABC types of games? I mean, right. I, I wrote it. So, I, I mean, I, I'm, I can't no, fathom why that's not a bigger deal. And I think the, what the Lakers are doing it too with, uh, with you know, two of their guys that made $130, $140 million over there. Now uh, Nick Young is basically sidelined. Right. And they're healthy. So, you know, it's tough to say, you know, of course they're going to look at us and say that's the team because like we mentioned earlier, we are under the magnifying glass. We are in the pressure cooker. So it, it's, you know, a fine line and there's so many layers to this thing, but I don't think there's anything you can do about it. You know, and it gives other guys an opportunity to go out there and play because we need other guys to see minutes because, you know, we had points last year in uh, throughout the, I'm thinking maybe game, was it game six of the finals? You know, I go down with, with, with two fouls early on and Dante Jones comes in and makes two, hits a couple free throws, has a couple, I mean, what, offensive rebound, uh, defensive rebound gets a huge stop and you know he was able to play towards season's end and he made huge 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 plays for us so uh, I think it's it's good for other guys to see minutes especially 
even if it is you know a local game or a, a nationally televised game and, and they're able to make plays because we're going to need that down the stretch yeah I'm all for guys doing that sporadically it's yeah. the, the month long and let me I, I have a solution because I don't, I don't think this lottery reform is going to work and I don't think it should work either I think the lottery is fine yeah. as it is you need to have some of these small market teams yeah. have Parity, that first pick yeah, I get that. here's my solution stats are cumulative and at the end of the year everything's divided by 82 so here's it's it's I'm saying this because I think that an Eric Bledsoe or a Brandon Knight might right. be less likely to accept just sitting on the bench and have their numbers slashed at the end of the season if it's going to affect their bottom line. They go from right. an 18 point per game score to a 13 point. It's not necessarily fair because it's not the players that are saying sit me down, but I think you'll see more resistance to the end For of the sure. year benching if it's affecting numbers. Uh, that's interesting because yeah, then you know if you're sitting at you know. 20 something odd points and you're dividing that right and then it's going to drop you down to 17 if you mm-hmm. miss 12 games yeah I, I think uh, you know film 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 doesn't lie numbers don't lie you know so that's that's interesting I haven't heard that one yeah that was just my theory I throw it out yeah. there um, brilliant Chris <laughs> do you want to tell your fat kid executive story before you go oh um, I don't know if I can mention where well let's say like this sure. I had a guarantee at seven, and I worked out for every team minus. I'm trying to think who had the number one pick that year. Chicago worked out for every the team. Rose, yeah. So you can maybe fill in the blanks, but it was uh, basically the same kind of thing that you had mentioned about he's going to eat himself out of the league. And you can imagine, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm 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 doing my, you know, they must have turned the the heat on in the room and, and the thermostat was at like 78 and I'm in this, you know, I'm, of course I'm in this, uh, you know, sweater with a tie and jeans that don't fit me right. And I'm sweating and I'm having eaten and I'm hungry. And these executives from, from the team front office guys are asking me, you know, what uh, the questions are you know, kind of condescending and out there. Like what, what, is your go-to uh, sweet? What is your chocolate bar? What it, and and what are you gonna? It's like the Bachelor, right? Yeah. What are you gonna eat at two thirty a.m. Uh, on a Thursday when we're flying home from uh, Golden State? I'm like, what? Oh, <laughs> really? This is what you're asking me? They're like, well, your body fat is fourteen and a half, and you know our, you know, we like to be, you know, it's like. It was not not the greatest, but yeah, I remember sitting in there, kind of looking out the window, thinking, "God, is this really what it's going to be like? Am I that guy?" I had to do like the mirror test. I had to look and be like, "Okay, this is me. I am this guy." So yeah, doughy. I was I was pretty doughy. I, I but I always knew like if I wasn't on this right now, I'd tell you where I was at the time. But it was so funny to hear, and this guy was not in great shape himself, so I was kind of pissed. Thinking, hey, buddy, you might be 30, 40 years my senior, but, you know. You know, there are people listening to this podcast just going to put it together. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Have, go back to my draft. Like, where are yeah. guys sitting? Who maybe. call? There it is. Right. Okay. Right. They're gonna, they'll put it together. Maybe. <laughs> well, Kevin, man, congratulations on the year you're having so far. Thanks Appreciate for uh, doing this. And go have like a kale smoothie or something. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Know. Yeah, I'll make sure. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Kevin Love for joining the show. A reminder, you can check out archived episodes on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, really anywhere you can download podcasts. While you're there, post a comment, leave us a rating. You know I appreciate it. And I'll see you next week. This has been a digital media production. 
Find your voice. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.